The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. All right, welcome to this edition of Startup Nation Radio. Today, we've got a really cool story to kick things off with that really, really uh, demonstrates a couple of things. One, how significantly the pandemic shook up not only given businesses within an industry, but industry categories and sectors entirely. Here's a story of some entrepreneurs, though, who experiencing all of that in an industry hard hit by the pandemic, you know, were able to come out of it with a new business model. And it, it's amazing how it really demonstrates the resiliency and the creativity of entrepreneurs. It's a real hallmark of being an entrepreneur. If you're not that, you're likely not going to be a successful entrepreneur. So joining us to tell their story today is Alexis Bowen and Craig Zapaka. You guys, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. It's good to have you guys. And now your new business is called Elsewhere Travel, right? And you guys were part of the travel industry. And we know how hard hit, for lots of obvious reasons, the, the travel sector was. I mean, kind of give us the backstory. How and why was Elsewhere Travel born? Tell us what you were doing at the time of the pandemic and then how you had this genesis to move to a new model in travel. Absolutely. We're absolutely a product of COVID, and which, which is, again, something that we've, that we've brought up. We were, we were a part of this, this circumstance, and we saw an opportunity in the travel industry that was getting shooken up, that was getting hard hit. And we saw an opportunity to create a new model, bring it to the American market and say, this is what travel should be like. This is how travel can be run. And we're going to make it really cool and groundbreaking. What we've developed and what we created with Elsewhere is as we casually refer to ourselves, the Airbnb of multi-day travel. And essentially what we do, what that means is we link travelers to in-destination travel experts who plan and book a tailor-made trip for our interested travelers. And we take it one step further. Also a point that needed to be brought up in the travel industry somewhere where they were hurting was a values-driven brand and company that wove responsible and sustainable travel into their DNA. Yeah. So let me try to capture this. So before the pandemic, there was this kind of industry operating on legacy standards and protocols and procedures where if I wanted to book a trip for my family, I would call up a travel agent or agency and I would work with them to, you know, they would say, oh, you want to go here? Well, here's what we recommend. This is the hotel. Let me package it for you. Here are the flights. Here are the, here's the tours that we recommend or whatever it may be. You know, they craft the experience for you. That worked. But the fact is that was done by a travel agent who may have been selling, you know, opportunities and, and aspects of travel that may have incentive to them to promote as opposed to other things. And secondly, they may not have ever even been to that location. They're really guided on, you know, either their business or, or their clientele, their customers, which by the way, is both on the, on the, you know, on the receiving side of all this business as well, that being the hotels, the airlines, et cetera. They're driving the outcomes of the trip that then gets put in front of me largely, right? That's kind of the way it was done before. Did I kind of capture that correctly? Yeah, I think it's important to understand. A lot of people don't understand how the travel industry operates, and you definitely hit on a lot of the pain points. And the main pain point that you mentioned is that, yes, these travel agents weren't located in a destination. They might be selling a place that they had never seen before or never visited. And so they're pushing hotels or activities that maybe they're getting a higher commission on or something exactly. like that. Yep. And so that was something that Craig and I initially saw as a big red flag. And we said, hey, it's on our website that trips should be sold, built and sold directly from the destination itself. 
And how the travel industry traditionally worked is that you worked with a tour operator. So let's say it's Sarah and she's operating out of New York and she sells the entire world. And she works with these different agencies. Each agency is located in that country. And so our model cuts out that intermediary, that Sarah at New York, and people come to our website, which is a marketplace, which is why we reference ourselves similar to Airbnb, and we connect travelers directly with those in-destination agencies. And so Craig and I have been in this industry, like he said, for 10 years each. We have this amazing network, and these are the people who are supplying the best trips in the tourism industry as a whole. So they're doing National Geographic, they're doing Oddly, they're doing Abercrombie and Kent, really the top players but they're selling through an intermediary. And so Craig and I made this platform to link travelers directly to these people so that they could actually make these tailor-made personalized trips directly with the source, essentially. All right. I think this is a brilliant idea, and I'm so glad we get to feature it on Startup Nation. I, I think that I have some questions. I have some pushback on the model, but I know you guys have figured it out. I have no doubt. But tell us this. So when was Elsewhere Travel born? This has got to be within the last year or so. It was back in fall of uh, 2020, so perhaps even close to about a year from now, or a year, mm -hmm. a year back. That uh, okay. I called Alexis with the idea and said, "We got to do this. There's an opportunity here." And then, uh, and I and then said, it, there... "You're absolutely crazy. There's no way we're doing this. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Everything I love is that. completely dead. People are dying or dead in the industry. No. Okay. So okay. But some somehow somewhere there was a transformation from no to yes. Absolutely. <laughs> how, how did that happen? Alexis, I mean, I'm not that charming, so it had to have been yeah. something else. <laughs> uh, you know well, what? It was the idea, right? It was a good idea. I think this is an interesting idea. Yeah. It was, mm -hmm. but what, what it really was is that Craig and I knew the industry inside and out. We'd been in it for a long time. We've worked in all aspects. So I had a background in operations and logistics, more, you know, marketing the, the trips, making sure they were sold and out the door. Whereas Craig mm -hmm. had years of experience with, you know, the best tour operators in the business on the ground as a trip guide. So together, we knew all aspects of this industry and we knew the things that we loved about it. We loved the travel industry without a doubt, but there was so many wrongs that we wanted to write and things that mm -hmm. we thought could be done better. And this model, you know, every industry has been shaken up with a direct-to-consumer sure. model, except sure. tourism. And we didn't understand why that hadn't been done. And there was a couple other things, which we can talk about as well, that we wanted to change about the industry. And one of them was what Craig mentioned, making an ethical company, something that was really focused on sustainable and responsible travel. Sure. I want to get back to that point, the last point, a little bit later on. But first, what I want to do is this. I want to run to a break. Before we go to the break, I want to just hear where is the company's evolution today? Do you have customers? Do you have revenue? Is this a viable business at this point? So we've been bootstrapping since day one. We haven't raised any money. Again, this is because of the period that we've been in, but we have been so surprised and flattered by the response. We have sold more than enough trips to cover our operating costs. We've actually been turning a profit and we've been really surprised by you know the media attention that we've received. So yes, we've actually been doing really well. That is really exciting. And all within about a year from idea to now profitability. Let's run to a break and we come back we want to hear how you made that happen. I mean, everybody wants that story, right? We all want that story. And you guys, this opportunity was born out of this, uh, one of the worst periods in not only American business, but American society at large. And here you guys came out of the, the ruins and, uh, and, and have risen 
to have a profitable business within a year on the heels of all of that chaos. It's just a wonderful story. Let's hear more about how you made it happen right here on Startup Nation Radio right after this break. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. Speaking to Alexis Bowen and Craig Zapaka. God, what a great story. Elsewhere Travel. By the way, the website is www.elsewhere.io. Is that right, Alexis, Craig? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, yeah. right on. You guys have a great story for those just tuning in. I'll just recap quickly. This is a business you know, born out of the travel agency sector, the travel business, that really on as a result of the pandemic, as a direct result of the pandemic, things got turned upside down, shut down, and turned sideways, and every other metaphor, however you want to qualify it, in every other way, this was an industry going under major attack from the pandemic and change. And here, born out of those ruins, comes elsewhere travel. Really cool idea. Tell us, guys, now, here you are, a year later, profitable. So, guys, tell me, I mean, here you were on the heels of the pandemic, lots of challenges. It's tough getting a business off the ground anyway, but it's even tougher in the period of time in which you guys were endeavoring to start this business Tell us what some of the key moves you think you made that really got this business, you know, helped facilitate getting this business off the ground. Well, launching during a pandemic meant we had to be scrappy. So we launched with very few resources. To date, we haven't raised any investment. So we've been bootstrapping since day one. So really, we needed to really build our brand and use resources that were either cheap or or free. And so we relied on free software to build our brand and social media was key. So we knew that we didn't have a budget for marketing and we wanted to build buzz about us through social media. And so actually a very key resource that we used was Canva. Um, we knew that we wanted to build a brand that was different than what was in the travel space. The travel space is very traditional and it's pretty uncool if you look at the companies that are out there. And so Craig and I, who are both millennials, we wanted to create something that was focused on photo and video and really engaging. And we have no design background. And so Canva actually was was our tool that we used to build our brand and our a lot of the video and photos on our website, as well as our entire social media marketing strategy was really built on Canva. Right. And then you had to, in order to make this business go, fundamentally, since it relies on boots on the ground, if you will, in, in various locations that you would then make available as, as travel opportunities to your customers, how did you rally the people on the ground? Because without them, you don't have a business. Yeah, exactly. These these local experts, as we refer to them online, um, who actually make up inbound travel companies based in the destination, these were friends of ours. This was our network. These were people who we had worked with. Alexis had worked with them in, in Morocco and in Sub-Saharan Africa and in Asia to help put together trips. So we had this network that we were on a, a conversational basis with them in our previous professional lives. And when we went to go rally the troops, first they were in a they were hurting because of COVID and everyone was talking or even reaching out to us. And and then when it came time to rally with them, we said, look, we're going to get the travelers in touch with you. What do you think of this? What about this model? And they're thinking, this is it. This is what we want to do. We want to sell the trips. We want to get involved because we already have the know-how. We're doing it on a day-to-day basis. And what's better than getting someone named Gunnar in Iceland or Luca in, in Argentina or Zolu in Mongolia to contact you. And so they were getting behind this with us and understanding that this is the future of tourism as well, sold from the destination. And do you have broad coverage now? I mean, it's one thing to, you know, if you're a one-stop shop for travel, you want to have obviously broad geographical coverage. Do you feel you have that at this point or where are you in, in terms of the trajectory of being able to have a broad offering? So we have 
30 local experts that cover about 42 different destinations. Those are regions across the world. So we've got places like the Baltics and Mongolia, and then we also have places like Patagonia and South Africa, Tanzania, but a good 42 solid destinations. And we're really looking for the right people in those destinations. We wanted them to be the perfect, the best, the ones who make the coolest experiences and also meet our vetting process for sustainable and responsible travel. So one of the questions I was going to ask is that as I go in and I start to look in a particular area and I want to plan my trip here and I'm going to use this particular resource, here are the resources available to me to help the planning. There's obviously a rating system and reviews and all those kinds of things that people can rely on as well, right? Absolutely. And that's a tried and true method of really overcoming that obstacle. You know, I think it's interesting. A lot of people have jumped on the bandwagon of relying on differentiation based on their brand being a values-driven one. And you guys mentioned that. Frankly, I think the business model is interesting enough without that, but certainly if you can achieve that and really achieve that, and it really comes across as authentic, then I think it, you know, it's the old proverbial icing on the cake. So tell us how you are addressing that and kind of how you're executing it and what does it mean to your business? Right. When we started this, one of the things that Alexis and I immediately brought up was we want to be a values-driven company. We want to be a part of the B Corp industry, and we want to be a bar, we, we want to be a certified B Corporation, which we are at the moment um, a pending B Corporation, and we're up for our true status coming up soon. And we agree with you, absolutely. The product and the model itself is doing just fine, and it is rather novel. It's definitely at the right time in the industry when the right new market, which are the millennials who are coming in, they're traveling a lot, they got passports, and then people have time to take time off as well in that older generation. But we feel that it's inherently between the two of us. We are ethical travelers ourselves. And we also find that it, our partners are too. They're advocating for their destination on a day-to-day -day basis. So there's a trend for sure for people to battle over tourism, for people to fight for sustainable travel, to carbon offset, to leave little impact on the destination. And if anything, a positive one. But we wanted to take this route because we also felt like it was the right thing to do. And I know that might sound a little cliche, but when we barrel down what we're trying to do, our model is actually sustainable on its own. And we focus a lot on something called economic leakage, which means that by booking with us, more tourism dollars stay in the destination because our local experts are based in the destination and we take a smaller percentage or a cut than some of the larger tour operators would. And in fact, I would go as far to say a substantially smaller cut than the local operators. I absolutely love that part of your business. And that's really kind of inherently authentic. I mean, that's a byproduct. That money staying in the community is a byproduct of the model mm -hmm. that you've created, the business model you've created. And so that's not only authentic, it's just built in. It's inherent in the, yeah. in, in the, in the process. And I love that. And I would imagine, too, that many of the people who are recommending, since they're there in the community in which they're going to invite your customer into and help create that great experience for and on behalf of, I would imagine, too, that they know things about local dining opportunities that are really maybe off the beaten path. They're not the norm. You know, they're not the standard. You're not going to go into a franchise. And the same with the hotel. Maybe there's a really unique bed and breakfast opportunity or, or whatever it may be. They probably, well, not probably, I think this is the premise of the whole thing, that they know better about what's really cool and kind of the insider kind of perspective and look at and therefore leading to the opportunity associated with being an insider, right? Being a local. Totally. Absolutely. It's so cool. Yeah, when you want to travel, the, one of the biggest buzzwords always is travel like a local. I want to eat where the locals eat. Yep. And you always think like, is that actually where it is? There's still English on this menu. And you want that. You want to find it. And yeah, absolutely. Our, our locals are true locals. And even they'll come to us sometimes and they'll say, 
hey, do you think that the like the travelers, if I recommend the place that I go to for coffee every morning, it's only open from six to seven a.m. But they put egg in their coffee, and it's a really unique kind of uh, texture. And it's like, yes, absolutely, that is a hundred percent what an American's going to want to do. They're going to wake up, they're going to go there, they're going to try it, and that's going to be a highlight for them. Not only because it's a local experience, because you recommended it to them, because you curated that opportunity for them to then experience that. And so we, our experiences when you travel with us, right, we do multi-day, but on a day-to-day basis, not only is it the local experience in the local place that they send you to, the back alley restaurants that you're not going to find because they don't have the big lights or they don't have the reviews that you might consider searching for, but we also have a great focus even on, on local guides, people who are incredible at kind of bridging that gap between their city and, and the travelers and so everything's vetted. So our local guides even get to go and try these restaurants and they're the ones that they go to on a day-to-day basis. But yes, absolutely. It's always about getting to be more local. And I think something that we really pride ourselves on is our local experts' ability to challenge our travelers. So we had this mm-hmm. um, one of our local experts in Tanzania who actually had a traveler who asked for the Four Seasons in the Serengeti. And she came back and said, hey, I know you want the Four Seasons in Serengeti, but really what you want is this other five-star boutique hotel that has all of the same amenities, even better service, and is locally owned and operated and has a way better view. And so those are the kind of things changing people's perspectives, changing people's you know, preconceived notions of what they want. That is something that really makes Elsewhere special. I love that, leading to changing people's experiences, thereby delivering greater value in the form of a better experience experience, greater memories, more uniqueness to the experience. It's not the same old, same old. It's not cookie cutter. Uh, It was your trip, your way, your unique experience. Love it. Hey, you guys, Alexis Bowen and Craig Zapaka, man, amazing. I love what you're doing. The company's Elsewhere Travel. Check them out. This sounds cool to you, and it certainly does to me. I'm in www.elsewhere.io. Go there today and book your trip your memorable one-of-a-kind trip of a lifetime. So there you go. There you have it. Guys, thanks for sharing this great story and uh, keep it rolling. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Jeff. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, back with more right after this break on Startup Nation Radio. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. Got a great story here for you. Uh, You know, entrepreneurship is a powerful way to transform people's lives. Kind of gives you a sense of pride. It's expressive. It's individuality. It's challenging, but yet very creative and, and certainly fulfilling when you come up with a great idea. And better yet, when you're able to put it into the market and get the most important market feedback of all, people buying what it is that you're selling. And it's just so affirming and validating and important in so many ways, economically, and it's a sense of empowerment for people. And you know, we t- typically talk on Startup Nation Radio to adults who are either in business or want to start a business or are starting a business and so on. But getting them early, like with anything, whether it be sports or any other passion or interest, getting people early when they're still young is important. And as it relates to entrepreneurship, we've got a great story for you here today, right on that theme. And we've got Loey Bundy-Sickle with us. Loey, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Great to have you on. So let's talk about what you're doing and how this is relevant. We're talking about kids and entrepreneurship. You've got something called Kids Idea Tank. Tell us about it. Absolutely. Well, backing up just a little bit. So Kids Idea Tank is a kid entrepreneurship competition for kids age 8 to 13. And I came up with the idea because I 
Well, I did kind of the traditional MBA route and worked in business, and that led to a career in writing about business for business school professors. And, and I just, as my kids were kind of going through elementary school and junior high, I thought, why does no one introduce kids to entrepreneurship and business? Right. You know, it just, it right. made no sense to me. Um, and I thought, well, what a great idea for a book series. So I wrote a book series called From an Idea To, and each book is about how a different company came to be, like Disney or Nike or Google or Lego. Mm. And while I was on book tour that first year, kids would come up to me as, you know, I do my author visit, my school assembly, and kids would come up to me afterwards and they say, you know, Loie, I have this great idea for X or Y or Z. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What should I do with it? And it dawned on me that kids have ideas, like great ideas brewing in their heads, and they just needed a platform to share them to the world. And I thought, well, this should be like a shark tank for kids. I and love this. It, I love it, it this. It's like, great. I should do the shark tank for kids. You should. Um, and we're glad you did. So there, there, that's kind of just the, the backstory of how it came to be. I think it's really great to touch on a point you just made when you talk about kids and ideas and their creativity and so on. Sometimes kids are the most creative and some of the best ideas come from the minds of kids, the hearts of kids, because they're not entirely boxed in yet by society and by our traditional ways of learning and teach, you know, teaching and learning and all the rest. There's a bit more unbounded, you know, and uh, some really interesting ideas, not just in business, but in life in general, come from the mouths of babes. But, uh, you know, I love this. And, and, and so, and I know this competition now, you know, you have this kid's idea tank, but it's gotten to be quite significant. Tell us about it. Is it, really it the, the, the biggest? Is it the biggest uh, kids competition in entrepreneurship out there today? It is. I, I have not come across, you know, I, I was a little hesitant to claim that title, but I've not come across anything that's even comparable to Kids Idea Tank. It started as a local event in 2019 in Chicago, where I'm located. Mm -hmm. And we had some amazing people step up to be our judges. And we got some sponsors to create a big prize because I thought, well, kids, well, my own kids told me, mom, no one's going to do this unless you have a prize of $1,000. And I was like, all right, <laughs> let's do a $1,000 prize. Wow. Okay. So their, their jaws dropped like, sure. are you really going to do this? And I said, absolutely. And um, it was amazing. You know, I, I would call people I knew who were very, very high up or people who knew other people pretty high up in the corporate world, and they just jumped on to be a judge. And so we did it in person in 2019. And then when COVID hit, my first knee jerk was, oh, we should just cancel it. And then I thought, saw the world go Zoom. And sure. I thought, well, let's bring this national and sure. let's take it to Zoom. And it was wonderful because we were able to reach kids across the nation. And the ideas just got even more incredible. And it's, it's just been amazing. And yeah. um, I've been lucky to sign on a, a sponsor who said we would just want to be the title sponsor and, and be your partner in this. So we've been able to um, up the prize money across the board. And Tell us about the sponsor. Um, our sponsor is PLS. So PLS is, a, in essence, a cash checking company mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that was founded by two brothers. And they do a lot of work in underserved communities. And they just thought this was a great way to support kids and support entrepreneurship as they were, you know, two struggling entrepreneurs at one point themselves. So they've been wonderful and uh, supported us from the beginning. Right on. Hats off to them. Absolutely. Hats off. And, and hats off to you for not only coming up with the idea, but executing it. Now, tell us about it's classified as a, or it's described as an entrepreneurship, if you will, for lack of a better word, contest. But tell us about, you know, are these ideas at the, just at the idea stage or are these businesses that are, you know, judged by how successful they are in business? Yeah. So I see three types of ideas that come through. 
there's kind of the inventor creative mm-hmm. kid who's, mm-hmm. you know, got flying cars and, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, highways in the sky and that kind of thing. And yep. that's cute, but that doesn't really cut, cut it to our competition. Mm-hmm. And then you've got kids who've got a fundamentally sound idea and they've really thought about a problem and a solution and they usually have some sort of tie passion to it. And that's really awesome to see. Like last year, I had this kid, um, I know we're going to talk to Carter in a minute. Yep. I won't talk about his idea yep. yet, but yep. we had a, a child who happened to be this Lego superstar at his middle school. And when COVID hit, he saw the lack of ventilators going around in the world. So he created, this is no joke, a ventilator out of Lego bricks. And it was a working ventilator. And he spoke to doctors wow. and hospitals and just got it like approved. <laughs> it, was, it was so outrageous. So we've got this where they actually come up with some sort of solution Mm -hmm. to a problem. And then you've got the third category. And these are kids who have already started a business. So we've seen like a candle business or a jewelry business, things like that. And they kind of need this money and this mentoring to take it to the next level. So I let in kids kind of in that second category, like the the ones with a really good idea, but it hasn't come to fruition yet. And then also the kids who are up and running and they just need a little bit of support or some suggestions. Sure. So it's, it's neat to see, you know, it's not really comparing apples to apples and it's not a, a perfect competition by all means, of course. but they actually learn a lot from each other because some of the ones that are just ideas are pretty big ideas that are pretty awesome. And I think the kids with smaller businesses that are up and running could be like, whoa, Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so they learn from each other. So it's, it's pretty cool to see. Is the judge judging subjectively entirely or are there kind of metrics that you key them in on, you know, make sure you're judging across these categories? Yeah, you know, I always give them metrics and it's always a very unique conversation. Usually a handful of kids come to the top, but, you know, you're looking for, again, this is where it's not a perfect competition because it's not, you know, is the idea doable? You know, the kids who are already doing it obviously have a leg up there, but then you want to see, is it scalable? You know, all these, is it unique? Um, sure, sure. And then also the passion, certainly, you know, as you mm-hmm. know, all entrepreneurs who have passion, like that goes a long way, the way that they're presenting and stuff. So yep. it's a little bit like, you know, we usually have about 15 to 20 finalists that pitch on the final day. And there's usually about four to five that rise to the top. And you can kind of feel it as they're mm-hmm. pitching. You're like, oh my gosh, this kid is amazing. This idea yeah. is amazing. And how many entries? How many kids? We had several hundred this year. I can't wow. remember the final number. We had them across 23 states and they were flowing in. It was pretty awesome. That's incredible. But let me ask you this. I'm curious about this. You know, if I talk to a group of adults who might be in a competition like that, and I say, I said, why are you focused on entrepreneurship? I think it'd be reasonable to assume most of them say, well, to make money. Obviously, that's one of the key hallmarks of being in business, to make money. But I would imagine that's a bit different for kids, especially you said eight to 13 is the age range. Is that yeah, right? Eight yeah, eight to 13. Yeah. So, I mean, an eight or nine-year-old is probably not thinking about empire building. You know, they're, it's probably more yeah, creative yeah. and expressive and just exciting, you know, dazzling for them to focus on trying to come up with a new idea. And then achieving that and then sharing it and getting, you know, getting some sort of positive feedback for that. Yeah, that's exactly right. These are the kids who, you know, they've, they have ideas brewing in their head and, you know, and often I hear from their parents afterwards, you know, Hey, my kid's not the smartest in school and struggles with this or, you know, doesn't have a lot of confidence. And then like, I can't believe my kids stood up there in front of business leaders who are worth, you know, 
hundreds right, of sure, millions of dollars sure. and pitch their idea like a pro. Um, so it's really been life changing for these kids. And no, I, I, I have not heard anyone say, you know, I'm doing this for the money. Um, no, they're doing it because it's just it's their passion and they're just creative and they've got this. They've got this thing deep down. Yeah. Um, I love it. Loie, we're going to go to a, a quick break. We've got to run to a break. But listen, when we come back, you kind of tease this a little bit. We're going to have one of the kids who participated on the show with us. You're going to stick with us. And let's learn more about his passion, what he's done, his invention, and where he's going with it all. All right? Love it. Right after this break on Startup Nation Radio. Stick with us. Welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. We've got Loey Bundy-Sickle. And, you know, Loey, your story's interesting enough. That's for sure. I, I love what you're doing. I love how you focused on children, whether it's writing children's books before or, you know, now applying your passion for business and entrepreneurship and focusing that, honing it on what you're doing for children now with your Kids Idea Tank competition which we've just learned about on Startup Nation Radio. And we've got a real treat now. We've got one of the participants in the contest. We've got Carter Konishnecht on with us on Startup Nation Radio. Carter, welcome. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on. It really is exciting. I mean, the first and obvious question is, how did you do in the competition? Well, I was the runner-up, which was very awesome for me. It felt really good with my idea, Small Business City Boxes, which is a subscription box service that offers like products from different small businesses, and they're all compiled into a box, and it's from a certain city each month, so people around across the U.S. can get a taste of different small businesses from a different U.S. city each Oh, month. my God. I love this idea. <laughs> I you. love this idea. It's for real. I mean, I thought it would be a nice, cool story and a cute idea, but this is a great idea. Thank you. I mean, some small businesses around the U.S. on Main Street are struggling, you know, and they need exposure. They need to create awareness. They need to create leads. They need to create customers. You're helping do that with a subscription box because businesses get discovered when they get their box and they get that aha, fun kind of open the box moment and see what's in there. And they, they get to learn about a store and their offerings, and their products, and then maybe do business with them down the road, right? Yes. So I have to ask you, where did this idea come from? Well, I mean, my whole life, I've just always loved getting the mail and especially like packages. I don't know why, but it's just like always like appealed to me, like being able to get the mail and then bring it inside and open up the package and see what's in it. I, I just have always loved that. And then I have also always loved like small businesses just because, I mean, there's so many big companies. They're like overshining like the small businesses. Yes. It's hard for those small businesses to compete. Yeah. Yeah. And they have so many like unique products to those small businesses. So I feel like small business city boxes can give those small businesses an opportunity to like really shine and people across the all of the U.S. can really experience rather than just like the locals, which is really cool. God, you know, uh, Loie, you've made my day. You've made my week because sitting in front of me is Carter, this kid <laughs> who's literally and I mean this literally beaming over what he's done and his achievement, Aww. his accomplishment. I mean, I. I'm a little choked up over it, to be candid. It's amazing. I love this. Thank you, Loie. Yeah, I mean, he's a great kid with a great future, that's for sure. That is incredible, and with a great idea. So, Carter, is this an idea that you did just for the competition, or is this an idea that you really hope to see become a reality? 
Well, um, I really do hope it becomes a reality, but it first did start when I did see the competition, um, which I first discovered by reading uh, Loie's books, which I have, uh. I've read all of them. They're all really good, which inspired me a lot, which was really cool. So now I hope because with my second place winnings, I hope I can help make this dream become a reality, which will be really cool. And what are you doing to make that happen? So I'm still in like kind of the planning phase. I have a lot of good support, but it's still kind of hard to like find where to start. But I've been getting a lot of great advice from a few small businesses, which have all provided great information for me. Which is Carter, really I'm going to connect you with a company right here, believe it or not, in our area that is in the business of helping entrepreneurs create subscription box businesses. And they are one of the tops. They do the annual conference annual. They are the leaders. They do an annual conference, the thought leaders in subscription box businesses. I'm going to connect you with those guys. I know they're going to take great care of you. If nothing else, you're going to learn from them. Actually, our assistant producer, Kristen, who I know met them too, is going to be very helpful in helping you take this wherever you want to take it because uh, it's worthy. And when I say you're beaming, you're you're, you're proud of what you've done. And I, I love seeing, this is the empowerment that comes from entrepreneurship. What did it feel like? You entered this contest. You had to go up there. You had to pitch it. Were you nervous? I guess I was more nervous leading up to it, which was really interesting for me just because I get nervous a lot of times. But for this, I just, I guess it must have just been because it's been something I wanted to do for a while that just made it feel like so... Like, it didn't make me feel nervous, which was really cool, but I was nervous leading up to it, just trying to think of all the little details that would really make this business shine. So that was a little nerve-wracking, but just being up there, it just made me, like, so happy, I guess, just seeing all the people. You've got to feel like it's a great achievement. You've got to be proud of what you've done. You did it. You pitched it. You got validation from the judges. And then here on Startup Nation Radio today, and I'm sure from all the others that you've talked to about this idea, Loey, this is, you couldn't have a better poster child, I'll tell you that, for for this competition. It's got to make you feel incredible too, you know, to see what this has done for Carter. Wow. It's amazing. It's got to make you feel great, Loey. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I have definitely heard from parents, you know, this probably changed my kid's life. And, you know, I think Carter is certainly one of those people that, you know, he probably never knew what a great entrepreneur he is going to be. And he is. And I think it's absolutely awesome. Carter, why is entrepreneurship something you're interested in? I guess I've just always like I've loved to watch the show Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. I found that very interesting from a young age, which I've always wanted to like be the person that was standing up there in front wow. of them. That was something that appealed to me a lot. And then also, I guess, just being able to kind of like run my own show, but also be able to like bring joy to others. That just also really appealed to me, which I feel like that is so cool for me. It's incredible. And so what about, I mean, do your friends know? I'm sure obviously your family does, but for your friends, I mean, do you talk about this with your friends? Are they aware of what you've done? Yes, quite a few of my close friends know about it. They're very um, encouraging, and they t- they tell me that if I need any help, that they'd be glad to help me, which is really cool and awesome. And so when you think about your future, do you think about being in business, or is this you know, just a great thing to be doing right now and you don't know, or is, it, is this part of your master plan? 
Um, I'm pretty sure I do want to be in business. I really want to make this become a reality, and I hope I can, like, carry this on my whole life. So I'm pretty confident about this. When you say this, you mean this business idea. This business, this business idea, idea. Yes. I think this is, this is a great business idea. You could get backed and supported by the Main Street executives, the Downtown Development Authority executives, the Economic Development executives, the Chambers of Commerce, the Main Street executives, you know, all those that really are focused on and care about this. You know, there's a conference every year called the National Main Street Conference. I think five to 10,000 executives from around the country representing their Main Streets come. They would love to have you there. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. And, uh, and to have you be part of their community uh, endeavors because you're helping those small businesses make it across the U.S. Hey, listen, I got to thank you both. I'm inspired. I'm thrilled. I'm heartwarmed by this story. Loie, thank you so much for what you're doing. And thanks for being on and sharing the story. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And anyway, listen, anyway, we can. Startup Nation can support what you're doing. We'd love to do that. So we need to have that conversation. And Carter, congratulations. Thank you. Really, congratulations. And we're <laughs> going to uh, help you in any way you may want it. We'll follow your lead. But any way we can help you make this a reality, we want to do just that. Thanks for being on Startup Nation Radio and sharing your amazing story and achievement. Thank you for having me. Right on. Thanks for having us. Usually at this point I say, well, uh, we'll be back next week with another great Startup Nation radio show. Now I have to say, can't promise anything this good, but we will indeed be back next week on Startup Nation Radio. Thanks for joining us today. The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.